It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday may 3rd and you're listening to episode 466 as always i am your host jason here today joined by a fantastic game designer nat levan nat designer of new bedford and one card wonder which happens to be on kickstarter right now but is not what we're going to talk about today but it does look really good uh nat also before he can talk, he looks like he wants to talk, but he is the winner of the 2019 Iron Design Challenge and also the reigning champion, because as he so eloquently pointed out to me ahead of time, there is not a new winner because we didn't have one. So by a technicality, you are welcome, Nat. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. And and we actually have two guests tonight. Last one. The second one I am less excited about as usual. That is... <laughs> Mr. Josh Mills, game designer extraordinaire, designer of Big Easy Busking, which is a very, very pretty game. Uh, Rocky Road a la Mode, which I don't like admitting this, but is actually one of my favorite games to play. Um, it was mostly the art and Katarski's development, but I do love it. Uh, also, the longtime loser of the IDC. Uh, welcome, Josh Mills. How you doing? doing? Doing all right. I've been a loser for a real, real long time. I like how Nat got fantastic game designer. <laughs> And I get basically nothing. I enjoyed that. As soon as I said that, you started chuckling because you're like, well, I see where this is going. <laughs> I can hey, just feel the hate. I pointed out that your game, Rocky Road Ella Mode, is honestly, it's one of my favorite green couch games. It might be my favorite green couch game uh, other than mine, but I can't really count that because it's mine. So, yeah, I love Rocky Road Ella Mode. It's super, super fun. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's good. Um Hold on, my daughter just ran in. It's it's late at night. She's supposed. To... What's the matter? Special guest on the show, Josh's kid. No, oh, you have to go poop. Okay, go go talk to mom. About it. That is not getting cut. I just want to be clear. Nope that's that makes that's uh that's top quality stuff right there. <laughs> it might be better than anything else we talk about. It, you can't well, write content it, that good. No, that's... no, you can't just happened oh uh, man speaking of speaking of poop though um so i just tonight for the first time ever uh played a couple of rounds of poetry for neanderthals from exploding kittens uh which is a uh i'm not gonna say the game is poop i just want to be clear it's actually super fun um it's a uh it's like a it's a guessing game and like so you i don't know if you have you seen it at all before it's a party game, so if you haven't seen it before or last year, you probably uh, didn't see it. Like, if it's a party game, it's going to be a no, basically. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen it from a year ago, then no, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. So, um, but so the game is basically you are Neanderthals or cave people, and you are uh, trying to make people guess words, but you can only say words in sentences uh, that only have one syllable words, right? And the first one I got was public restroom, so I said place in town where you make pee and poop um to which my seven and uh five-year-old uh sorry seven <laughs> nine and five, nine <laughs> are who's nine children are you house? <laughs> oh, to which they were losing their minds uh but yeah so that just reminded me of that poop joke but that game is actually really fun and you get this big inflatable thing this big inflatable uh, uh stick that you can hit people with on the head 
um, when they uh, if they say a two syllable word. Um, and so my daughter, that's her favorite thing to do in a game is just hit Based, people yeah. with it. But it was that, it was super solid and a lot of fun. So I just thought I'd point that out. Oh man, that would be rough for me. Anything with like spelling syllables, no, like I would. Uh, that would be bad news. I would get I would get hit in the head <laughs> a lot. Um. So have you two played anything that's not a party game? Sounds like of late. I actually did play a uh, party game. No, I said not party game. No, I'm kidding. No, what party game did you play? <laughs> that was like, no, I thought I heard you correctly. What's happening? Wait a minute. I have an answer for this one. No, we got um, Half Truth, which is the uh, game by uh, Ken Jennings and Richard Garfield. So it's like oh. a, a trivia game. Now, uh-huh. I only played it with uh, two people. So, you know. Oh, Ken Jennings and Richard Garfield? Definitely. Those no, two. I didn't play it with them. <laughs> I played it with my wife. So someone's smarter. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know, uh, that was a really interesting take on trivia because it's basically you got six answers to every question. Half of them are right. So if you choose one answer, you got a 50-50 chance of being right. Interesting. And then you get more points if you get more of them correct. Okay. Oh, that's clever. I like so that. There's, I like that. Yeah, there, there's a weird like uh, push your luck aspect to it almost. If you, but if do you strike out? If you like, so I get one right, and then I'm gonna try and I get the next one wrong. I strike out, and like, I'd, so is that correct? Uh, it's, it's something like that. It's been a been a hot minute since I played, but I think you basically get bonus points if you get uh, you all the ones that you think you'll get, like. Oh, you, okay. you can take up to three guesses, and if all the ones you guessed are right, you gain bonus points. But if mm, okay. one of the ones you guess is wrong, you don't get those points. So you're okay. you're rewarded for also guessing how many you are gonna get correct. Right, right. That is that's that's a clever idea. I like that. Awesome. How about you, Josh? You played any games I'm, lately? Most. I mean, I've been playing a lot of Who's Got the Poop. Because like that's basically my life <laughs> during quarantine. Um, honestly, I think the last like proper board game I played was with Nat. Well, we played digitally, obviously, um, but it was the Blue Buildings in Greece. Was that called Santorini? Oh, thank you. <laughs> that's a nice little grab there. Um, because I had played it, and so we just played one round of that. But other than that, I honestly have. I haven't gotten to play very much at all. That's fair. Um, That's fair. And it's, I mean, I've been playing way more video games because of that. Um, but on the board game side, I've, I, our uh, game designers of North Carolina, which has plenty of Kickstarters coming up as well. Um, so go check all of us out on the, on the Twitters. But <clears throat> we've been doing kind of meetings and doing kind of play tests and stuff throughout. Um, but I really haven't been, I really haven't had anything to bring that was, in any good state before all of this kind of went down. So I've been, you know, I'll jump in every now and then just talk to people. Um, I've been working with Mark McGee, which I'm sure you've, you've talked to before. Um, I've talked to Mark. I like Mark. Mark yeah, sounds yeah. like, I just want to, just want to listen to Mark talk basically. Yeah. So Mark's like always like, Hey Josh, uh, maybe we should think about this concept and, and you're like, okay, I that literally... sounds good. 
when he's yeah. on the show like do you want to just host this because you've got a great voice <laughs> but then if you listen to the words he says out loud you're like maybe you shouldn't talk maybe <laughs> maybe maybe you should be quiet more um i always felt like that about you but you know yeah well i mean that's fair that's fair um no but we have a game called top pop but like it we've been messing around that has 3d printed uh well we're 3d printing like little caps and stuff to kind of see how they feel so um over the last couple months the most gamey thing we've done is 3d printed a bunch of different ones and pick them up and be like do they feel good no okay let's model them again try again <laughs> so that's like that's just about as much of components i've touched over that that amount of time best um, play it's been a weird time ever. it's been a weird time so all right uh let's talk about a topic because we've been uh rambling on for a bit here honestly about a lot of poop, a lot more poop than I thought we'd talk about. And every time I see Josh Mills look off to the side, I get nervous about what's about to happen. <laughs> you think you think you're nervous? <laughs> I hope that uh, you edit this and go back, and every time uh, someone says "poop," you put in a little bell noise so that you can keep a running count. Yes, I could. Uh, I just I'll just do the uh, the drums here. The for some reason, there are sound effects in this, and they were gone for a long time, but they're back. And I was playing them for Nat uh, beforehand, but there's only four sound effects, uh, and the drums is one, and the other ones are also lame. So, like, I <laughs> it looks like I can well, program on my own, but let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, if they're all, if they're all lame, they'll, they'll complement your voice perfectly. Um, oh, that's probably not wrong. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. No lie detector. Sick burn. Sick burn. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, so um, y'all thought of a topic. I don't know who actually thought of the topic. I think it was Nat, probably. It was a good idea. Be, so I mean, Nat, it, who do you think's more prepared? 100% <laughs> Nat. Nat said he came with notes, and I got intimidated because I don't know when I've ever done that. So I have notes as well. It's I have open text edit. Nice. And that's as nice. many notes as I have. But to I have the ability fair, to, to write things down. <laughs> right. I do bring notes sometimes, generally just when Julio's going to be on the show. Because I know he's going to be so prepared that, like, I don't want to be completely unprepared. So I make a bunch of notes. And by that, I mean, you know, I write a few sentences. So, yeah. Yeah. It's the bad thing about so, having um, people on the show who are smarter than you is that, you know, then, yeah, you have to be prepared I never, to talk I to never have, yeah. I never have that problem. No, not when you're on here with Jason. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. and spike. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. I mean, the, the best All thing right. is it works both ways there. It, it doesn't matter who's who. It's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, All right. So, Nat, I'm going to let you introduce the topic. Uh, so, what topic did you bring tonight, Nat? Uh, tonight, I wanted to cover the very important uh, issue of our time that uh, video games suck. Video games. Oh, wait, stuck. Josh, you, you do this, video games, right? This, yeah, this feels slightly pointed, but um, which is, <laughs> but I, I sure it's just coincidence. That's weird. Um, I do, I do do video games. I've worked in the video game industry for, oh my god, I'm old, for, uh, I can't add sixteen years now. So, I, and so I might have like <laughs> a couple things to say, but a couple, um but a lot of them suck yeah <laughs> so 
so yeah, so um, you did you did give a little more fleshing out to the topic beyond that when you messaged me. So you want to kind of explain to the audience what we're going for here with this, Man, rather than really just ragging on video games for really, an hour. Really doesn't want to host now, does he? Net. He just wants you to do all the heavy lifting. Well, I mean, somebody that's, will. That's why yeah. he invites me on. I mean, that's why you and I work together, right? I mean, yes, but you don't need to say <laughs> yes. it out loud. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I the uh, the real topic here isn't, you know, of course, video games sucking. It's uh, about how board games, as a uh, kind of inherently analog medium, do so many things that uh, really well in that physical medium. And, you know, the last year we've certainly seen a um, huge migration to digital and my personal experience, what I hear from other people is that, you know, the, the online games, it's kind of a, a, we're making do with what we have. There's some good stuff out there. There's some bad stuff out there, but there are a lot of things that, uh, I really want to celebrate about what makes uh, analog physical board games uh, really good uh, and, you know, places that they fall short when you do a digital implementation. Let's get physical. <laughs> it's so weird that that was one of the four soundboard choices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that, that wasn't me. That was, yeah, that yeah. was weird. It's it's interesting though. That's that's a obviously that's a a pretty like a thing we're all dealing with right now, right? And and it is interesting because I I do think first I want to say a couple things about why I disagree with you. Uh, I actually totally agree with you, but a couple things that I I want to just call out as hugely positive things for board games in a digital space. Uh, one is certain board games are awful when it comes to tracking things. Um, and the digital implementations yeah. of those make it Those great. are called poorly designed board games. <laughs> no, actually, those are called classic board games. Like, sure. I think of things like Stone Age, no. right? Like, yeah, but, the, the, you know. That's my point is, like, if you're like, oh, it, like, the, it keeps track and does this thing. Well, then then we're, it's alleviating a problem that you should have solved already. Sometimes, and, sometimes. I mean, think about like setup. I mean, tabletop simulator is awful as it is when you build a game and then you can just be like, and boop, it's set up the way I want it to be. Or like I can lock cards in a certain way that I can't do physically, right? Um, without extra components. And that's the issue I ran into with a design uh, with Jonathan Schaffer where we had, you know, a thing where it, we couldn't get the, the we have to add a physical component to the physical version of the game to make it do what tabletop simulator just did already which was just locking cards to a certain area so they lined up correctly when you when you laid them out which sounds silly but trust me if you played the game you'd understand but um so i do think there are some positives to it and i want to just point those out um, oh sure but, yeah. but but there's absolutely a, a crap ton, ton of, of negative positive stuff <laughs> So many positives, you could make like a whole different experience with like a different <laughs> way to interact with them, and make that you know a couple billion dollar industry. Um, uh, hard pass. Yeah, hard pass. Hard pass. I'd rather it not do any of the rules or make me do all the work. Um, <laughs> right, right. I do wonder what kind of games we're gonna get. Um, this is a little tangent, but like, what kind of games we're gonna get over the next year when we get to conventions and all these people have been playtesting mm -hmm. and trying stuff out digitally. And then they're going to get it in front of humans and it's just going to fall flat. 
Like it's just gonna be dead. Like board games all do this... fall flat usually. Yeah. Well, sure. Ooh. Well, oh. <sighs> look at that. Oh, come on. You have the soundboard for that I one. I realized that after I did it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was great. Hold on. Oh, I could have oh, used the wait. digital thing. The analog soundboard was just better. Um, <laughs> I'll warn you before I say something really dramatic here. <laughs> so, um, so go ahead. Like, keep going, Josh, because this, is, this just, is a really good point. This yeah, is good I just answer. feel like a lot of the playtesting is in, in stuff that people are catering to the digital format because we have to but when all of a sudden you get four people in a you know on a table together talking to each other physically moving things around all of a sudden like 50% of the game's going to be happening above the table and all the balancing and all the things you did are not going to be in that uh, confined predictable space like they used right, to be right right like all of a sudden people are going to want to play dice games i feel like a lot more cuz they're going to be like <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of rolling rights happening, but like people are going to want to physically move things and throw yeah, stuff on yeah. the table and like and have some uh, energy to it. Um, but will we have those games? Like, will there be a drought? I mean, like dexterity games, right? I mean, maybe some publishers have been holding on to those <laughs> for post pandemic. But like, other than that, I mean, realistically, like like you said, it was it's it's hard to test those in TTS, so, right? Yeah, so uh, I'll give you an example with Top Hop, me and me and Mark's game. Like so much of that game is about this kind of, and and uh, I think you played it or you watched us play it at uh, the packs before, and it was like the most amazing play test that we ever had happen. Like you saw it, it was amazing. Oh yeah, um, it really was. It was, there was like a lot of energy. Like things were just like the game was executing at the top level it could ever execute at. Um, but the that game is really about being in the moment with the players and really paying attention to people, right? Like you can play poker online and you can play it by the numbers and whatever, but there's a difference when you play it at a table with people, not professionally. I'm talking about, you know, for like, just for Mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But top Hop's going to be coming out, right. You know, it's been in production or not in production, but in getting everything ready and um, to, to go to Kickstarter, to get, go to the printers uh, and it's going to uh, hit right once everybody is back in the in the in, at the table with each other, which I, I'm super happy for because at the beginning of the pandemic, we were trying to like play test and get some feedback. Um, and me and Mark, I think, did it a handful of times where we did it digitally with like the publisher, and we did it digitally with some play testers, and it was just mm-hmm. the game didn't really work in that environment at all. Um, one, it took like three times longer to just play. Right, right, yeah. Which is weird, right? Because you would think it'd be faster, but you you didn't have that quick, I'm looking at Nat, I know he has like a card and I know it's a certain thing, so now I can make my decision. Like, there just wasn't a, an energy to it, like a like a cadence. Um, so eventually we basically just told the, the, the publisher and, and even like it isn't valuable for us to do the digital play testing. It just isn't because we're all of our energy is going to reinforcing the rules that are apparent when it's on the table. Right. There's a stack of things you have to move physically move. And like, you need to be able to tell the difference between three and four, which you could digitally, but then in real life, it's, I mean, it's innate. Like you could just look at it and say it's four things. Whereas digitally it take, it took, a couple of beats to make sure you were actually correct. Um, so 
I'm really interested to see what happens when we get back into the now I what I hope happens is some of those things add the elements and go to the analog way. Other things might make more sense as a digital type product or something. Um of course there's a you know a barrier entry there, but we'll we'll have a weird mix at the next convention we're all at, at least from my perspective. I think that's a really good point. One of the things that I have tried to force myself to think really hard about is is um uh, is components and how that's working. And, and the reason that's happened to me is because a couple times I've played games with other designers testing stuff and they'll use like the go bowls that you can get, you know, for markers. And I'm like, are we keeping track of how many markers you're using? Cause it's infinite. Like that's literally infinite. So like, if you're trying to get a gauge for how many you want, that's not doing it. Right. Um, and that's just something that I always like to be really cognizant of. So thinking about that has really forced me to say like any game we're working on any prototype like what does the physical version of this look like like what is the physical version of this feel like how does it play you know um is it you know like when you're having a hard time manipulating things and moving them around a tts saying is this tts or will it be like this in person or is it easy here and then in person you're going to be like oh this is too much to handle right um so it's just yeah i i think most things are harder in tts so like, especially trying to think about, like, managing components and stuff. I think that's generally easier physically. Um, at least I, I do. Yeah. Just so to kind of loop back to, to Nat's, Nat's uh, topic, since he's he's the host now. Um, <laughs> and what what the, the why, like, what do board games do really well that's physical? Well, in me and me and Mark's, now I've, me and, I mean, obviously me and Nat have designed a game out of but. I'm not talking about him as a co-designer because that's that's played out. So I'm going to talk about Mark instead. Um, <laughs> um, Why is that even so, here? I don't. I don't know. Um, Somebody had to do the work of figuring out what we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. And what, also that, arrive on yeah. time. You know. Yeah. Oh, oh burn! First of all, there was a poop emergency. So <laughs> ding. <laughs> and then my daughter had to go. To the um. <laughs> It's the closest thing I had to a ding. <laughs> um, no, but like one of the things board games do really well is they create a instant uh, connection between players, right? And right. one thing yeah. Top Pop does really well is you get a card and you can play it in front of yourself or you can pick a player to play it in front of. That, that decision of who you play it in front of is impactful because people are going to put stuff on it and the, that person's going to get somewhat of a mm -hmm. reward. Mm -hmm. So that moment where you place it, like say if I have a card and I kind of look at you, Jason, and I kind of look at Nat, and then I'm like, all right, Nat, you're gonna you're gonna help me out, and then you place it in front of Nat. That moment is a lot of the game, and digitally right. it is nothing. Like yeah, it's the, just nothing. The physicality of that, you know, people talk a lot about like the stand up die roll at the end of a game, or you know the that slow card flip to a quick reveal to find out how you, you did at the end, you know, those sort of things. Uh, it's a, a very visceral experience when you're doing it physically in person and it has, it, it loses almost all of that when you say, all right, guys, here it is. Click. Right. You I mean, did. there's no subtlety, right. In the digital this. Yeah. So I, yeah. 
and you can't and be the guy who's like so wiggling back and forth and like, oh, is it going to be, where is it going to be? You know, building that suspense as a, a storyteller almost while playing the game. Yeah. So like even with tracking or scoring, right? Like I can add numbers together and move my score piece all the way up. Right. But I don't, when I play games, I count every one of them, especially if I score something like nine and I know you're within that range. I'm like one, two, three so four, awful five well because it's the drama of it it's me it's slowly coming up to you and passing you or like having that little like that little like extra like emotional like, i get it i get it tag yeah. on it you know what i mean um but man losing it's it's the human connection and yeah and playing with one another in that safe space that's the super fun part for me, right? Like even if it's a well, Euro that's yeah. like solo. <laughs> right. I, I think that like, I think that that's, I mean, before the, before 2020 and the pandemic and all that awful jazz, like the reason people were coming back to board games was because the economy was shifting to that experience economy, right? Don't buy me stuff. Take me places, do things with me. Take me to an escape room or whatever, right? It's all this analog physicality things, right? And board games very much fit into that. So, I mean, that I think, you know, people are going to really, really want that again, obviously, as soon as they can have it. At least if that, if not, they're stupid. So, and you know, you look at video games and, you know, every video game you see now, they're, they've got, you know, their own emotes and stuff like that. These like in-game things that try and replicate, you know, a, a, a victory, a, an emotion and try and put that into that digital form. And, you know, to, to what extent those are really all that effective for players. Uh, you know, I, I think it's clear that video games are even trying to capture that it's not the same as it was when you were playing mm-hmm. uh, GoldenEye on a couch with three of your friends and you could you could hear the pain when you sneak up on someone. <laughs> uh, and you, yeah, and, you I mean, still get that me, with board games. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and that actually have played, and our wives too, have played Animal Crossing throughout the pandemic with each other and like visit each other's islands and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously more when it, w- it had just came out, but like... Yeah, me too. That, that I mean, everybody did, right? It sold like it was a zillion copies. Oh, but I mean, like... Animal Crossing, like, <laughs> like uh, one day, like ten million therapists didn't know what Animal Crossing was, and the next day, boy, did they ever! Like, because everybody's like, <laughs> "What's getting me through the day is Animal Crossing." I mean, I for sure told my therapist that more than once. But like that, it ha- it gave you a little bit of that interaction, a little bit of that mm-hmm. physicality that you kind of get from playing board games too. I think they're very. They're very. It's a shared experience, right? Right. Um, it's not the same, but it's it's close, right? It's it's it was close enough to, at the time to to be good, right? Um, not to mm-hmm. say it wouldn't be good any other time. It's just the, I mean, talk about hit timing it perfectly, um, right? But I'm I om- it's for board games sometimes. Now, tell me what you think, because sometimes I feel like with this with the hobby side of board games. It is more about the experience of playing games with people than necessarily the game experience. Like, does it really matter what games come out at an Origins if we're all there? Does it really matter what is on the table? 
right? Um, not to just undercut every design episode you've done before this for the last like 15 years or whatever, <laughs> but like, but is, is, is the, is what we're actually playing just physical board games? Like we're just, and then we're just changing what level it is. You know what I mean? Cause that's how I think that a lot of times yeah. as, like as a video game background, it's like, we're, we're playing similar stuff. It's just different, different versions of the same kind of flavor, but right. I don't no, know. I think, it's a, yeah. I think you're right. I mean, like, like when I think like a great, one of my favorite examples is I played the game dead last. I've played it exactly one time. I don't know who designed it. Uh, uh, maybe you guys do, but I, I, I hated the game. Like I absolutely hated the game. I didn't think it was, it was good. I didn't think it was fun. Um, it just wasn't my thing. Maybe it's a good, maybe it's a fun game. I'm not going to discount that. But for my opinion, nah. And I had an amazing time playing it because that was the first time I ever met Nicole Amato. I uh, was playing that oh game God. and listening to her drop so many MF bombs at people um, who she barely knew. Like, like I saw her turn to someone, maybe it was me, maybe it was someone else who she like never met before and said, I will kill you, you MFer. Um, and then just be like, ah, like Nicole's like just maniacal crazy and that was, laugh. That's before you guys even started playing the game, right? Like that was just a normal introduction. It was like, no, <laughs> with Nicole it might have been, yeah. But it was literally like one turn into the game, right? And she had dropped that on us. And I was just like, at first I'm like, who is this person? And then, you know, realized destined to be one of my good friends. Um, but But that, I loved that experience because we had a great time playing it. Um, and, uh, like I, but I didn't like the game. Right. And so, yeah. So to your point, Josh Mills, I do agree that the new games that we play matter less at there. Right. I think they matter in the long term when you want to bring them home and play with your family. Oh, sure. Uh, sure you sure. know, but like in that moment, no, it's, it's the shared experience. And if it's the shared experience of an awful game, that's fun too. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that is, oh, yeah, absolutely. But, like, I wonder what it is about that shared experience. Because, I mean, there's something about the physical board game kind of experience. There's elements mm -hmm. that you're not going to get with other things. So, it's I'm just trying to dissect it in a way of, of like, Matt said, like, the stand-up dice moment. That's a perfect example. Like, when you, when you like, yep. gear up for it, it's almost like performance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I also just really, really, really like flipping tiles over. I don't know why, but I really like doing that. Um, and I like miss like messing with my components, like messing, just like, yeah, just that, like fiddling yes. with stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I know when we, we designed that, that like we, I mean, a, m most of our games have like have a weird physical element to it in terms of like either where we play something or flipping tiles or there's there's something that innately would be difficult to do um i think digitally or programmatically like it would be too for me when i say difficult i mean it would be like either too perfect or um not intuitive in that format whereas in real life it That's just fair. is um, yeah, there's definitely a difference between, again, you know, like clicking on a card to move it and like physically picking up that card, feeling it bend in your hand, hearing the little flip of the, the card as they pick it up off the table. 
picking up some tokens and you know you can you can feel each token drop you can hear each token drop you know mm-hmm. it's it's more than uh, just bringing in uh, y- you lose a lot of those additional uh, experience physical experience uh, elements that bring in the other senses and kind of tie you all to the same place uh, when you go to a, a digital a digital format and and one of the things that digital games try and do to replace some of that stuff you know they they'll add in uh, animations they'll add in sound effects but you know especially for board games you don't have uh, somebody whose one job <laughs> <laughs> I was trying those, to make it be dramatic. <laughs> you don't have somebody whose one job is like figuring out the exact sound that this token should make when it drops. If if anything, you get like whatever built-in sound effect or click or a ding is with there. You don't. It, it's very sanitized. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I mean, if you if you start to look at video games, there's it's there's. The audio, the even just the simplest of sounds has weeks of 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 work on to make it right. Um, and then I think with with the with the analog, there's some agency. There's we always talk about agency for like what the player and the decisions and stuff. But there's like there's just the physical agency of like I have to move the things around. Like I I have to pay attention to know when it's my turn. That is my biggest problem with anything digital is I'm not paying attention the way I pay attention in real life when it's in front of me. Like, it's it's weird. Like, I know I should be engaged, but I'm not. Um, well, part of that yeah. is that, you know, you have a game on the table in front of you, and uh, I, I, one of the games I think about that we've played a lot of online is Seven Wonders. When I play that on a table, I am just constantly looking from my board to my neighbors across the table, like back and forth, left and right, uh, almost constantly trying to do that in uh, a digital form, you know, mm-hmm. is uh, unbearable. You know, if I, I think a lot of the implementations I've played, there's not even like it a is, good way to unbearable. quickly see what other people have in play. Right. You just kind of get a, a vague overview and trying to keep track of what's going on around the table, what's what has happened, what will happen, um, and what's going on presently. You know, that's, uh, that is something that is really important to me in a, in the board game experience and in just being able to play well and make good decisions. I, I need that aspect to be able to kind of wrap my head around the whole game. Yeah. I think that like, you know, Josh, you mentioned too, like the paying attention thing, I actually think sometimes it's the opposite of that. I mean, you know, Nat, like you said, I want to look at the board. I want to see what the person's doing. But like, it's also those moments where you're not paying attention, right? Where you're sitting in a group and there's, you know, some downtime and you're chatting with someone. Like you can't do that in digital, right? Because if you're all sharing the same channel, you're a jerk. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) that's right. I'm like, hey, Josh, blah, blah, blah. So like those little side conversations and those little side moments, um, those are the things you remember, right? And you, there's no way to recreate those um, in digital. Yeah. There's just not. 
there's Sorry, more of a, like an awareness, I guess, with the other players of like when when you should mm-hmm. be paying attention and when it's okay not to. And that kind of goes right, to right. Not, what you were saying about is like looking at other people's kind of progress and where they're at and what they're doing is I also feel like digital you what what uh, the analog side of thing does really well is and uh, when games are really well designed, you'll see this is they create a really interesting decision space. So um, I sh- now I just realized I'm going to use one of our games as an example after I said it's really well designed. But whatever. Yes. So <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> so, but like for example, like in Aldabas, you can you take a card and you you have like a grid and there's like uh, valid places you can put it, like two or three different valid places you could put it, right? But physically, just kind of holding it where you might put it, not letting it go, of course, you know, and then putting it at the other spot and kind of just playing around with like what's on the table and like where you might want to go from a strategy perspective. That old chess thing of like, until I take my hand off the piece, I haven't made the decision. Like that moment and that ability to kind of evaluate where you are in addition, like where your decision is based on like where the game state is, is super valuable. And what I really think makes board games special, because one thing I always look for when we're, when we're designing that, especially, um, is uh, because a lot of times we have games where people can do simultaneous things at, on their own thing is if people stop to watch someone make a decision, right? Like mm-hmm. they don't, they're not, they don't care about theirs. They're like literally stopped like an, like an, like a spectator in an audience to watch <laughs> someone decide something that might not even have that much of an impact on them. Um, and you see that when you start doing combos and stuff too, you like, you'll stop and you'll see somebody pull one off and they'll like walk you through the chain of it and like that's there's like a there's just like a there's just like a performance part of that that is so engaging that just gets utterly lost um oh yeah that's the performance aspect i mean that's that's huge and there's an ebb and flow between what's on the table and between the different players uh and you know where should my attention be at any one time? All right, well, now it looks like people are kind of paying attention over here. Maybe I should pay attention over there. Oh, yeah, that's because he's doing something big. I definitely need to know what's going on over there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's, a, it's a shared understanding of what is important, even to the point if, like, the game gets disrupted, right? Um everybody gets disrupted together. Like, you know, you've been in a, or you're, I'm using convention just since where I see you guys both the time, but it's like the announcements come on and they're super loud. Um, oh yeah. And everybody just stops or whatever. But like digitally someone will be like, Oh, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the restroom real quick. Well, a lot of times you'll wait for somebody like you'll, you wouldn't take multiple turns. I don't feel like um, in real life, you might depending on how you know the person, but you'll probably play slower. Maybe you'll just wait for them and talk. But digitally, like everybody gets interrupted differently, and then it's you, you mm-hmm. kind of lose that togetherness. Um, Absolutely. You know, I mean, you're trying to record a podcast and your kid needs to poop, right? I mean, like these things happen. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Every time, too. And if I'm every time I'm on the computer, especially, he's got you know, a lot of flow going, as Matt would say. I don't know. Matt would never say that. That's just not something I would say. <laughs>
Especially not in the context of poop. Look, I'm just trying to see what else is on this soundboard, Matt. I, do, I don't know what setup <laughs> he needs. <laughs> oh, so... So I think we've all agreed that, like, you know, it's these little things, these little subtleties and these little connection points that are what really make um, physical board games so attractive. And there's, I mean, I, I always come back to, to things like component feel. Like, the first time I played Splendor, the first thing that told me I was going to love that game were those, were the chips, right? Like the the gem, like the gem that, tokens. That is I was all like, people could talk about for, like, a year after that came out was, oh, my God, those chips. They're so good, right? I mean, like, you pick one of those up and you're like, wow. Like, if I start to lose, I could chuck this at my opponent. Like, a handful of these, knock them right out, you know? I mean, but no, like, or, you know, like, the feeling of having, like, a handful of cards, right? Like, you don't get that in digital. And I love that. Like, I I, I compulsively will, like, sort through my cards and look at my cards and, you know, like, and I, that's not fun to do in digital, right? Let me click click this button and then zoom in on the cards and like that's not fun you know that's because it's not yeah it's just not it's just not made for like it's the wrong medium right like you don't film a play and put it in a movie theater um i don't know some people do yeah yeah here's one uh that i use you know looking at new bedford and one card wonder digging your hand into a little bag of tokens or bits and kind of feeling around you know, all oh, right, sure, they all feel exactly the same, but there, there's, there's definitely uh, um, something indescribable about reaching in and trying to find that one thing you need. There, there's mm-hmm. that moment where you, you make the decision, your fingers close on something, and you pull it out of the bag to see what it is. Oh boy, I mean that's right. Yeah, you don't get that everything you... that I like about a physical experience in a board game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you certainly don't get that when you um, pull a you know token out of a bag in TTS, right? And it just randomly comes out, <laughs> you know? I was yeah. playing One Card Wonder uh, digitally, uh, was that a, a week or two ago? And one of the uh, actions, one of the like abilities you can do in the game is you have the ability to look in the bag and just take out the one that you want rather than pulling a random one out. And like, you can't do that digitally. Like bag, they're, they're not programmed to let you reach in and physically pull out the one token you need from the bag. And so it was a very weird experience to kind of have to replace mm-hmm. that with, all right, I'm going to just pull out, you know, 10 and hopefully the one I need is part of that. That's <laughs> right. right. A, it's not as magical a moment. It doesn't feel as much like breaking the rules as guess what, guys? I know we randomly pull them out. I'm just going to reach in and take the one I want. Yeah. Like they, yeah. You get to be much more smug when you can do that. So, like that's true. That something you just said, Matt, and the and not to give Jason any credit, but like you said, the word button. Um, but. One thing, when you move to digitally, all of a sudden you were dealing with um, a user interface that is not really designed by the player, right? You are using, like, when we're talking about uh, most of the, the games people are playing online, they're doing it through another layer on top of the actual board game's UX and UI, 
right? Like you're using the, mm-hmm. com- the computer when it's uh, and it's layered on top of it. Um, and when that happens, what I think people tendency is, is to, which is also a tendency in video games that you have to watch out for, is to make things easier for the user um, and give them options to say, automatically shuffle the cards or like, um, you know, in Animal Crossing or whatever, it would be like, uh, automatically make, you know, craft these 10 things instead of like you get the items and, and then you can craft the one thing and you can take it and place it or whatever. Um, and what I, what I like about the analog side of board games is they usually create a very, a feeling of you being clever because the information is presented in different locations and different aspects of the game. Sometimes mm-hmm. on kind of what now it's talking about like looking at your other player's board, um, looking at the main board. But what it's doing is it's it's giving you clues or pieces of the of the game state, and then you usually know some kind of information about what you're trying to achieve. And with that, you feel super clever when you start putting things together, because something isn't putting it together for you. You're saying, "Ooh, here's an opportunity." Like. Um, I can get this farm and that farm gives me an extra cow and that cow I puts me at four cows. And if I have four cows, I score the most cows. Um, you know, in there, it's almost like you're solving the little puzzle of what you're trying to achieve with your strategy, but nothing's being heavy handed about it a lot of times. And now of course I'm talking a little bit more right. about the Euro side of things. Um, but it's also true. And I mean, uh, a lot, a lot of different types of games, but you, I play mm-hmm. mostly Euro stuff. That's why my example is it. But you feel super clever for deducing information that shouldn't make you feel clever because it's right in front of you. Right. But like on a computer screen, you don't feel clever because it is literally right in front of you. Like they're like not. You have three cows. Nat yeah. has four. If you make two more cows, you win cows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Whereas it is. Like, there is I'm something like, about Ooh. it's it's right in front of you, but like there is that cleverness of like, while it's right in front of you in tabletop play, like it's still not everyone else is paying attention to that. Right. It's like the chess, like I see two moves ahead, right. You're like, okay, if I build two cows this turn, you know, it's just, yeah. So I, I do think it justifiably makes you feel clever because we're all perceiving different things. Yeah. It's, it's the human element again on top of it in the same room, mm-hmm. right? Like Nat doesn't realize cows are important right now, right? Like I don't want Nat to realize the cows are important. Maybe he does, but I sure as hell don't want the game to be like, you know, a big, Hey Nat, you better get another cow or Josh is going to be you. You only, this is your right? first yeah. cow. To, you're like, cow like, Josh takes the lead in cows. Like, it'd be like, oh, it'd great. be funny. It's like you're playing chess and it's like all of a sudden it flashes up like in two turns, checkmate if you don't do something different. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That would that would be wonderful and terrible all at once. It would I help would me love... with chess because I'm awful oh, at it. But... How sad is this? You ready for the saddest, one of the saddest mill stories? Are you ready, Jason? Buckle up. <laughs> you, know so, am, you know I am. I went to the Boy Scout National Jamboree and there was a chess tournament. I entered it. I win. So that's the cool part of the story. Here's the super sad part. <laughs> there wasn't really anything for winning. So I was like, screw this. I won. Um, so now you know how, like, remember, I didn't win your little, your dumb game show. Um, <laughs> but 
So Nat I takes went, that personally. So I <laughs> call it dumb. During the National Jamboree, there was like a place they were selling a bunch of stuff. They happened to be selling trophies with no tops. So I bought a trophy, and then I bought a king, like a gold king thing, as a from a chess set thing they also had. And we screwed it on, and I made myself a chess trophy that's still in my parents' house in my room. <laughs> How sad is that? I didn't. I didn't get no. a participation trophy. I had to. I made myself a first place trophy for winning. I don't know what that says about me, but probably a lot. Ask your therapist. I, it for probably me. does say a lot, actually, <laughs> about how like, yeah, some needing of some validation and stuff. But you know, like, I I think that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's cool. I didn't need validation. I won. I just didn't like that. I didn't get anything for winning. That's what made me angry. You needed a reminder that you won. You needed the validation from people who saw the trophy to say, whoa, did you win this chess tournament? And you're like, I did. If they're in my room, I'm already doing pretty good. They're my friend, at least. Um, That's fair. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's just weird. All right. So I feel like we've covered this pretty good. We've talked about how we all kind of agree that it's those subtleties, the physical aspects. Um, I guess... It's not the things that I was thinking of when we first started, which maybe that was silly of me not to think about that. Like, but really, like, duh. Of course, it's the physical connection you have with people while playing the game. Um, yeah. What kind of stuff? What, what were you thinking initially? I was thinking more of like the I like the physical aspect of a board game, right? Like that to me, like I like the deck of cards, right? I like shuffling a deck of cards. I like, you know, looking at the board and seeing how it's laid out, that sort of thing. Do you guys like this? And I actually like this most of the time. I like setting the game up. Depends like, on the game. Yeah, well, I pretty much like setting the game up every time. Because I like, it's not like I play the same game over and over and over again, right? Like, I'm usually playing it, like, one time. Mm-hmm. And if I play it again, I've already forgotten the rules. But I, there's something about setting it up that, like i don't know amps me up for the experience in a way that that is pretty unique to the medium i don't yeah, know no, like, I, know, I know a lot of, i know a lot of people like really just want to get on the table they want quick setup but there's something about the unboxing of it and maybe i missed it from like with video games too i used to be that way like i get an n64 thing you open the box you have the manual like there's this like pomp and circumstance around just like i don't know smelling it again and like being like you're gonna enter this experience but i don't know maybe i'm just a nerd on that side of things <laughs> now i wish that i had um now i wish that i had the uh like dun, 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 to play the pomp and circumstance um but uh no i i do i don't mind setting games up um you know we got behind me i've got marvel united here all the forty-seven thousand boxes that it came with and that is a beast oh, to man. set up like there's a lot and like we know everybody wants to pick a like a character and there's they might pick a character from any one of those boxes i only need the main box to play then i got to find a character and they pick a villain from a different box and i got to sort all that out right and it's a lot but i do like putting out that huge play mat and like putting the characters out right and setting it up putting it away i unequivocally hate <laughs> because it's like resorting <laughs> everything but but yeah setting it up i do get it sometimes i just wish i could play but I do, it's it's almost like a preview. It's almost like watching a trailer for what you're going to do. Like, oh, yep. Oh, I see in this location does this. Okay, cool, cool. Yep, yep. So I, yeah, yeah. 
how about punching it? Because like I, I know like at conventions and stuff, somebody will be like, oh, let me help you yeah. punch it, and they'll grab a thing. And like the inside of me is just like, Ugh. yeah, back, like no, back. get away nope. from my game. Like don't touch my stuff. Let me do my that, kids. And then you can like, can I help you with this? I'm like, <laughs> mm-mm. Mm-mm. no, you can't help me with it. I got this. Please step away. I mean, hand yeah. in hand with that is just the general idea of table presence. You know that no digital implementation is going to give you the table presence of an actual game on an actual table, especially, you know, I think the last couple of years we've seen the level of uh, importance and the, you know, the level of uh, uh, just presentation really the, increase. The level of, a, yeah. The p- appeal, like yeah. curve appeal or whatever. Yeah, I mean, like board I've presence been, has become a big deal. Yes, for sure. I've been uh, playtesting a design for a civilization-based game uh, for a year or so now. I've been trying to do that a little bit during the uh, the pandemic, and one of the things that I love about that game is literally seeing how the board grows and the the state it ends up at mm-hmm. the end of the game. And, you, you know, you have your little houses and you have your build, your cities, and you have road tokens and all these different things that show up on the map. And, like, just being able to look at that in, uh, in a setup state, uh, no computer is going to do that justice unless it's actually playing, like, Civilization, the video game. Still probably doesn't, though, because you don't get the table presence, right? You get the the pieces of it, right? You don't well, get the actual table presence. You get the, the little part you can see at any given time, right? Well, and that's the that's the advantage, right, of the medium is, like, it, it doesn't have a 16 by 9 restriction. Like, it, you know, it can have all kinds of different... I really like games where they have... Um, like Grand Austin Hotel, like where they have different chunks, like different boards for stuff. I love watching. Now, I don't know necessarily, I would usually try to put it all on one board, but whatever. I really like watching how people set it up, though. Like, I really like watching where they put the stuff. Um, I don't know why, but I really do like that. <laughs> that's that's no, no real insight here. That's just something I like, guys. Okay. <laughs> Probably so you can criticize um, them. That'd be my guess. I will also say that I have played uh, that civilization game is very, very good. It is real good. Somebody go High publish that. I would watch out, Matt. He's probably going to yeah. try and steal part of it for another I game. I can't. It's too. It's. I would need Matt to help me. Um, which it's would be, be like Matt, you want to go design this game? <laughs> I got this cool mechanic. That's like this seems familiar. He's like, no, 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 no. That was my idea. No, listen. <laughs> what if we put it in a square box? <laughs> that would be about all I could contribute is like box size. <laughs> all right. Well, I would love it if you all would tell me about Aldabas City of Doors. No, Cartagena City of Doors. What? What is it? Aldabas Cartagena City of Doors. Doors of the City. Key Don't of the City. Don't bell S'mores. S'mores. <laughs> it's called. S'mores People aren't going to know what to look for. It's called Doors and S'mores. Um, <laughs> it's a so now I want to watch Josh also try and figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> cab. There's cabins, right? You're camping. There's cabins. I, I will let Nat say the name of it so he pronounces it actually properly because I I tend to blow it every now and then. So, Aldaba's Doors of Cartagena. 
Ah, okay. Yes. Eldabas, Doors, and S'mores of Cartagena. Gotcha. Yes. So, basically, what was it? What is it? Um, whatever. We found an article about uh, about the city in Colombia, and all they have, like, all these ornate, awesome door knockers and stuff, right? So, it's a game about actual door knockers. Um, and in this in this town like your door knocker represented your profession and also the bigger the door knocker the more uh esteemed you were in that profession so like you would have big oh, fish okay. or like um mermaids or stuff if you were uh like a fisherman um noble nobles were lizards for whatever reason so just take that for what it's worth um because they're lizard no- people i assume lizard people yep uh, military was you know the big cool lions um Mm -hmm. so i think that really both captured me and nat's kind of imagination because it was basically just yelling at you euro game like with doors (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean there has to be something um and then you know we were off to the races Nat, you could talk about how the game works. <laughs> I was like, are we going to talk about the game? Or okay, that sounds to, super interesting. I'd love I to know trying, how the game plays. That was called a transition. So I was trying to be like, we're off to the races. And, you know. I, I do have a yeah, question. That'd be great if it was a game about races. <laughs> well, I don't. Oh, I, I have a question, though. Um, leave me alone. <laughs> so you, Josh, a long time ago, I remember you talking about a game about, like, keys in a hotel room. Like, Basically, it was like a wall of keys hanging. Is this where the Aldab- Aldabas idea came from? No. Or no? I just remember you talking about that, and I always wanted to do a game like that. And then, yeah. I do remember this key thing. because, like, I'm fascinated by that board in a hotel that has all the keys on it behind somebody. Okay. So, like, <laughs> like, that is something I want to make something with at some point. Right, right. Um, along with like ice cream trucks is another like that, and like um, like milk delivery. Make, I made did those make things. a game about ice cream yeah. trucks, yeah. But like, I can tell you right now, that is something that visual image of those like an old innkeep thing with those keys. For whatever reason, I think it was probably like a weird episode of Nickelodeon, like Are You Afraid of the Dark or something. But like, I see that at least once every two months, and I'm just like, oh, I gotta get that out of my system. But that's been going on. Sorry, Nat, I've derailed your pitch. Back back to you know the game we're actually here to talk about. Yeah. Uh, So Sevilla. No. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, you know we taken those uh, those images of the doors with the knockers on it. You know, Josh and I kind of quickly honed in on well, clearly we've got to be putting these doors down and doing something with them and. Influence has got to be important because bigger knockers, more influence. And in a lot of ways, those game aspects kind of designed themselves. It was like, oh, well, obviously putting them next to each other, they're neighbors. And so that's got to have some effect. Okay, well, why don't we, uh, why don't we have you activate it? And so we ended up with this, uh, I think, really interesting hybrid of a tableau builder and uh an influence majority type game, uh, very classic Euro gameplay archetypes kind of mashed up together where you're buying these doors, uh, you're adding them to your hand and then eventually getting them down in front of you in your tableau. 
uh, where they both give you influence and they uh, activate various uh, abilities, giving you coins, giving you cards, letting you move some things around uh, to increase your influence. And then at the end of the game, you're going to compare what you've got in each of these uh, five important suits. You know, f- fishermen is one, the, the nobles, mm-hmm. the uh, soldiers. And so each of those suits is going to give you points in a different way. For example, the soldiers. Uh, soldiers are great because they'll give you points if they have a lot of nobles to defend. Uh, nobles, they're going to give you lots of points if you've got a lot of coins with you. And so there's a lot of interactions on different levels between trying to both build up your block at the same time and activate these abilities while trying to manage your influence and manage all the things that you're going to need to have in order to actually score points for those things. Because it doesn't matter if you've got all the influence, uh, if it gives you points for cards in your hand and you've left yourself one card in your hand, you know, that's a a real uh, tightrope at times trying to balance these things at the same time. Sounds interesting. So I I love the idea that you're playing the doors down, like building out like a tableau, like building out your, your street or your block. Um, Yeah. Your block. And uh, yeah. Um, I I just get this picture in my head. We did a puzzle not too long ago of like all these doors, like, and, and I love that image of like putting these different doors down um, and, you know, using their abilities based on the door knockers and, and the type they are and the influence and and yeah, and where you place them in, like, what's really neat is, um, so like, you know, I, Nat, is the it can balance things well. I just want to make things seem cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that does most of the most of the actual real st- work. Um, I assumed. I yeah, assumed. I mean, of course. Uh, no, but like, it's really it's really interesting to balance like, uh, uh, the the difference between wanting to make sure you have the most influence saying fishermen so you can score it and having the things you need to actually score points from it. Um, so there's always mm-hmm. this push and this push and pull of like, you know, yeah, like I've been in situations where it's like, Oh, I have the most influence in, in clerics and whatever, but then I don't score any points because I focus way too much. And not freaking every time we play, he, he just, he just tricks me into doing that to myself. <laughs> and like every time I'm like, no, he's not going to do it this time. He's going to bait me. He's going to bait me. I'm not falling for it. Okay. I'm gonna, like, I got to do it now. Cause they're just sitting there. And the next thing I know, I'm like, okay, I've been tricked and I've been, tricked, <laughs> and now I'm pissed off <laughs> and now I'm losing. And I know I'm losing. Oh wait, I have a chance. I can do this. Oh, that's a long shot. Oh, I better not. I better stick to this thing. Oh no! Now he's doing it. I should have done it. Why did I not do it? <laughs> you just gave up twelve points to gain three. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. Cool, 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 cool. Um, oh. So it has. I mean, it has all that like super crunchy Euro stuff in such a small little tight package that. I mean, I I love it for that reason, right? Like, man, it it has a whole bunch of game in it for, for how um, concise it is. I guess you could say, uh, or deliberate. I don't know what a. I'm right. trying not to use like flower, flowery language. I'm trying to just use the the, <laughs> the 
how big of a game is it? The box from the preview looked looked smaller. Like it looked kind of like Mark standard size, but is it like is it bigger? Like what what size is the game? I mean, it's it's cards and coins, right? Um, okay, okay. So, there's a couple like cut out board things for like your vault and stuff, but it's mostly cards and coins. Uh, I think I, the, I think the box size is still uh, TBA, not yeah. not finalized yet, depending on shipping and Dude, a couple other things. Ah, yes, yes. Shipping is Yikes. nuts. Yeah, all of it's out of control right now, right? Dude, it really is. From what I've heard, but um, you know, you can you can really fit all the gameplay aspects of that in a a fairly small uh, packet. Uh, it, there's mm-hmm. there's not much to it. There aren't you know twenty different types of pieces. It's really just the cards and the coins is, is enough to give you. Uh, the full game pretty much that's cool so it's, that's cool yep uh, I'm, I'm really proud of how much we managed to pack into just that kind of limited component set that's awesome and i will say and working it, with grand uh, grand gamers <coughs> excuse me grand gamers guild is um has been super awesome i mean you know yeah but yeah. i just yes, want to sing their praises i've done it before yes they like Oh, me and Nat, basically when, when they showed us the card and stuff, we were both, you know, I was excited. I was just like, oh man, it looks like a Euro game I would buy. Like, it looks <laughs> like a game I would buy. Like, like I didn't, I didn't know. How and you helped it. design it. And well, it was weird because the, the end product, right? Like we designed the game, but the end product is so in line with something I would want. Um, independent mm-hmm. if i designed it or not and that's that's like that's just cool that <laughs> is a bonus yes it, it is fun to design games cool. you want um i know but like i don't know maybe it was because uh i haven't been with a publisher where i didn't like see little bits and pieces as things went along it was all just at one time so it was the first time i mm-hmm. got that yeah. experience um so that was that was super cool. I don't know about you, Net. How has it been for like New Bedford and One Card Wonder? I know you probably saw a bunch of stuff while it was happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, One Card Wonder certainly I think was a lot of the, the same thing where I handed over a game and they went off, they did the art, they did the graphic design, and I didn't see it again until they came back and that was all done. And looking at that on the table and it's just like, oh, wow, this is absolutely a game that yeah. I would just... I'd be slamming money down on the table. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And I, I worked with the Grand Gamers Guild, obviously, as well, as you mentioned. But it's funny because I didn't get that experience because I was their first game. So, like, I was very involved in the process. Like, he didn't have Josh doing all the art stuff, right? You know, and coordinating all that. So it was, like, me talking to the artist, like, mostly. Like, hey, like we'd like to see more stuff like this or like this. And it was, you know, like you didn't have to do any of that. I love doing that stuff. So I thought it was cool. Um, also, I just I mean, would have been harassing Mark until he sent me stuff like constantly. I've been like, you just need to keep sending me stuff. So. I mean, I like it too. It's just, it was a different experience. So it was really, it was kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All so, of a sudden you're just like this game exists. Wow. So we were speaking of video games. So Nat and I had, thought of this game and it was we we're i forget when we were in development but we we're you know we had aldavas and whatever then we at my job we actually had um a bunch of people from columbia come up that were doing um kind of art outsourcing for us 
And mm-hmm. so just telling him, like, hey, I have a game set in Colombia that is about Adavis. He's like, Adavis? Right? And I was like, yeah. Uh, and he's like, oh, man, I collect those. And then he goes, oh. then he starts showing me on his phone, like, hundreds of door knockers that this dude has. And he's like, yeah, I go to flea markets all every weekend and, like, try to find them and wow. stuff. Wow. So I was like, that's awesome. I have this card game. I showed it to him and then um, got his contact info. And then um, he pings me when he's back and he's like, hey, do you want me to buy a, a, a door knocker for you and send it to you? And I was like, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so so then he was just at the flea market. And he was just taking pictures of different ones. And I was like, that one's super cool. Send me that That's cast so cool. iron one. Um, so he sent it to me. Uh, and what was nice is when we got all that stuff from Graham Gamers Guild, we were able to have him like look it all over and and take a look at it and just yeah. kind of give us the whole rundown of, of anything mm-hmm. that we kind of like might have you know stepped out of bounds with or whatever. But it was just cool to have found somebody that like I knew nothing about this when I started and then right. to find someone that that was like their passion and it resonated with them in a way that was that was that is that's super very cool. cool yeah yeah um and then they have it, them yeah yeah that's great I mean who collects door knockers that's like out of the entire world and we just happen to be in the same <laughs> break room at the same yeah. time like that's crazy this is weird <laughs> And you know me, I'm just like, hey, I got a board game. You guys want to play it real quick? It'll be cool. <laughs> that does sound like you. Hold on, I got a poop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, on that note, um, on that note, I think we're going to call it. Uh, the game sounds really interesting. If you're listening to this episode right now, you should go out to Kickstarter. It's out there. Uh, it launches May 4th, I think, or somewhere in there. Um, do you know the official date or no? Yeah. It's the, not it is not may 4th i want to be clear it is not may 4th um and i know that because mark told me it was not may 4th um and so i'm gonna look up the real date and okay. then i'm gonna pretend i said the real date i'm pretty sure it was may 4th but whatever whatever oh, really? it's in may also one card wonder is also on kickstarter net right it is, it is. yes it, will it, it be? should be on for it will be when this comes out but no it should be on kickstarter for about another uh ooh couple hours maybe <laughs> oh right because yeah <laughs> we're recording this a little ahead of time no no that can't no. be right it should it should happen about another week on that because that's uh that was a 20-day campaign and it started on the 20th so it should be it's already uh, funded so like whatever pull your pledge it's fine no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the campaign uh is coming out on may 4th i was correct I'm not even going to cut that. We're just going to leave that whole decision point in there and our whole conversation. Yeah. What is time anymore? That's. Yeah. I don't know. So it's, we have a freeze warning tomorrow. What? Yep. I mean, Josh didn't even know the date today. So, you know, we're one like, listen, okay. That's correct. I didn't, I thought it was Wednesday. It's Thursday. No one's going to care about this because it's not going to (laughs) be relevant to their life. Although I mean, let's be let's be. If you're coming to this podcast for shit or for stuff that's relevant to your life, then you you got different problems. You got different <laughs> All right. Well, definitely on that note, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, you can 
uh, go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can check out our Discord channel there. Um, you can uh, call us, 770-HOTEL-BTG. Email us, buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on the Twitter. I am at, po- at podcastbtg. I am at J.A. Slingerland. Josh is, I think, at Josh, 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 Josh Mills. What are you, at Josh Mills? At Joshua J. Mills. That's what it is. And Nat, you're at Nat LeVan. That's it. Oh, really? Sweet. <laughs> Total guess. <laughs> I follow people on Twitter, but never remember their Twitter handles. So awesome. Okay. Well, thanks again, you two, for hanging out. This was a lot of fun, even if the listeners don't agree. Uh, but yeah, I had a good time. They will wouldn't be agree. the first time. <laughs> so uh, listeners, until next time, good night. Good night. And remember to flush. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email.